0: are in a series about money, actually, um, financial freedom. So many people are not free when it comes to their money. It made the comment in that bumper that uh, money does bad things to people. And you'd be surprised at how many believers, Christians, believe, believe that, that money does bad things to people. No, bad people do things with money. But there's a lot of good people that do things with money too. Right? Money is a magnifier. It magnifies what's already in your heart. There's a lot of people that don't go off and do terrible things because they don't have the money to do it, right? But it's in their heart. Je- you know, Jesus talked about that. It's not so. It's not the sin that. It's not just the sin that we commit outwardly. It's the sin that's in our hearts. And I've been talking about uh, money, and we want everybody to be free when it comes to money, where money doesn't, isn't controlling their life, where money is not controlling the, th- the way that they think, the, w- the things that they do, the, the, the decisions that they make in their life. And I have said unapologetically that I am a prosperity preacher, and if you look around about... online, social media, all that stuff like that, that's a negative term. They, They try to say that's a negative term, which I think just shows the folly of their logic. I mean, because the opposite of a prosperity preacher would be a poverty preacher. Now, when I say that I'm a prosperity preacher, does that mean that I think, I believe that you can sow a magical seed and it will produce a miracle in your life? Is it like Jack and the Beanstalk? Because there are those that try to sell that. They, they sell a miracle. They, they say, you know, throw your, or sow your $1,000 seed, and God's going to answer whatever prayer that you have. That's not biblical prosperity. Biblical prosperity is a principle. It's something that God has sown into the fabric of creation. And it has a spiritual side, yes, but it also has a natural side. And you have to have the spiritual and natural coming together to prosper. Right? You can't just have the spiritual, and you can't just have the natural. Even when God does a miracle, he does it through, he doesn't void natural things. When when Jesus gave the miracle of the money to pay Peter's and himself's taxes, Peter still had to go out and fish. He had to catch the fish. He had to bring it in. And yes, there was a supernatural manifestation of a certain fish with a a gold coin in its mouth. But he still had to do something. And that's the way that prosperity works, biblical prosperity works. You have to do something. It's, It's a principle of sowing and reaping, just like a farmer, he doesn't have immediate gratification when it comes to his sowing. There's a process that takes place. He works the soil. He makes sure it's blowing in my mic. He makes sure that uh, that that nothing gets in to destroy the seed. He makes he weeds it. Make sure the weeds doesn't don't get in it. And then he has to harvest it. And so it is with our prosperity. Come on. Hit the spacebar, will you? You're not paying attention. Oh, back. What the heck? Oh, my goodness. There we go. Yay. Love technology. But John 3.16, you know, we all know this. We can quote this. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Romans 8.32 amplifies John 3.16, I believe. It says, He, speaking of God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? That's an amazing scripture. When I ran across that in the Bible, I was thinking, why have I not ever heard this ever? The New Living Translation puts it this way. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? The NIV says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? The Amplified puts it this way. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? One more, the Phillips translation. He that did not hesitate to spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, can we not trust such a God to give us with him everything else we could need? we can need. I like that last one. Can we not trust such a God to give us everything else that we could need? God is a giver. God is a giver. He's not a taker. Everything that God does, all the principles that he puts in the earth, both spiritual and natural, are for the betterment of humanity. Giving is his nature. It's who he is. And it's how he operates. In Psalms 24.1. We have a, a scripture that tells us. What belongs to God. And it says. The earth is the Lord's. And all it contains. The world. And those who dwell in it. God owns everything. God owns everything. And if God owns everything, he doesn't need our money, does he? So why do we give? Why did he, God, set up this earthly kingdom where the dome of the king is dependent on the generosity of others? Where its abilities where its reach and success is dependent on people giving. Why does he ask to give if he doesn't really need it? I mean, this is logical questions. I mean, have we just been given just to give? These are things that we have to think through and process. Why does God ask us to give when he doesn't need our money? It's because he's interested in something so much greater than your money. He's interested in your heart. And nothing triggers a heart response like mulah. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, it says, No servant is able to serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, riches, or anything in which you trust and on rely. Which you rely, excuse me. The reason I use the Amplified version in the scripture is because so many people um, use a scripture like this to say that, that, that money's evil. When they're talking about mammon, it's talking about money out of order. It's talking about an idolatry form of money. It's talking, and anything can be mammon in your life. Anything that you trust on, anything that you rely on above God is mammon in your life. That's what mammon is. It's, 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 a, it's riches that you trust in and you put before God. Most believers, Christians, will tell you that God is their source. I want to ask you, is God your source this morning? Don't say it all loud. But I want you just to internalize, ask yourself, is God my source? Do I believe that God is my source? I mean, we, we can get excited. We, you know, we can get people pumped up. And, you know, God's my source. Jehovah Jireh. Lord's my provider. Hallelujah. Amen. But their giving reveals the truth of what they really believe and whom they serve. They're double minded in the area of provision, and they can't receive from God what He's willing to supply. You know, I talked a little bit about uh, you can't buy buy a miracle. One thing that I do believe, though, is that if you can't pass the test of money, it will keep you from having faith in other areas of your life. Because Jesus said, That if you can't be trusted with that which is least, speaking of money, how can you be trusted with true riches? And we're going to get to this, that money is a test. Biblical giving. We're Christians, right? We should want to be biblical in the things that we do. We should want to be... um, Everything that we do should want to be lined up with the word of God. And the Bible details um, three kinds of giving. Three kinds of giving. And the first is the tithe. You know, with awakening of the revelation of the gospel of grace, tithing has become a huge debate within the church. I don't know if you know this or not. But tithing has become a huge debate. Huge debate. I personally believe that believers should tithe. Amanda and I tithe. As a matter of fact, all three biblical principles for giving, Amanda and I participate in joyfully, cheerfully, prompt As a pastor, I would never ask you to do something that I myself am not doing. And just like you can find a million and reason, you can come up with a million excuses not to give, so could I. You know, there's some pastors that believe because they're the spiritual leader of the church that they're not required to give. They're using the Old Testament principle of the, the Levites and the priests where, you know, you, bring, you are supposed to supply the needs of the uh, church or the temple and all the workers in it. You know, even if I'm wrong on that, I'm not going to allow me to lose my blessing by not giving. I'm a giver because God's a giver. I'm a giver because he's my provider. I'm a giver because I believe in sowing and reaping. Many people argue that tithing is part of the law and therefore canceled with Jesus' finished work. Before we go into too deep deep into the subject of tithing, let me ask you a simple question. Why are you looking for a reason not to give? I'm sorry, this is pretty basic. But you need to ask yourself that. What is in my heart that causes me to look for reasons not to be a giver? Remember, God is not after your money. He's after your heart. He wants you to trust him and not mammon. Last week, we looked at the principle of, that God has woven into his creation, it's found in nature, it's found in our relationships, it's found in salvation, it's found in the hope of the resurrection, and even in money. And that was the principle of what? Okay, no one's paying attention. It was the principle of sowing and reaping. Anyone that is looking for a reason not to give is already preventing God's created principle from divinely multiplying provision in their lives on that alone. So secondly, what has your heart and what are you trusting in? These three questions of the question of why am I not trusting in the principle that we've seen of sowing and reaping, what's in my heart, and what am I trusting in? These three questions alone are reasons to tithe. But wait, there's more. The reason I tithe is that tithing is not a law. It's life. I believe with all my heart that my heavenly Father is not trying to get things from me, but to me. God desires to give us good things and provide for each one of us richly by his empowering grace. Well, some people might say, well, if this idea that God wants everybody to be provided for richly that God wants people to be healthy. That's not the experience of the world. There's many believers around the world that aren't experiencing that truth. And I will say that there is a side of Christianity that we do face persecution. And the, the Christians that are struggling and under heavy persecution and and are living in extreme poverty, and wanting to, to get break free of that. Is it because of God or is it because of man? Some people call the gospel that we preach in America the American gospel, but that's not how it is in the rest of the world. Do you know why our American gospel looks different than in the rest of the world? is because of the country that we live in that was founded on biblical principles. You know, David's kingdom looked much different than Solomon's kingdom. David's kingdom was known for blood and sacrifice and warfare. But Solomon's kingdom was known for what? Peace, prosperity, and riches. See, the answer for the world's poverty problem is the gospel. Is men's hearts being transformed by the gospel and setting up a system in which people can prosper? So the question I have is for those people that say that there's an American gospel and then there's a, the other gospel around the world. My, my question is, 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 would our gospel, would, if the gospel is able to produce government, produce that type of system around the world, would not the whole world look like that, like America? So many Christians are afraid of, of money. They're afraid of greed. They're afraid of what it's going to do to them. You need to get saved. Money magnifies what's in your heart. And it doesn't matter if you have $100 or you have $100,000. You're going to be the same person either way. You are the same person either way. So many people say, well, if I win the lottery, then, then I'm going to give to God. I'm going to really bless the kingdom. I'll be able to be a blessing with the kingdom. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll have it all spent. If you can't be faithful with $100, you're not going to be faithful with $100 million. But God is trying to get things to us. He's trying to work things through us. But like any good father, he doesn't give, us in, give to us in a way that could ruin us, that could destroy our lives. That's why it's a process. That's why he desires your heart. That's why he desires to transform you. That's why it says in Third John that he desires that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So if your soul's not prospering, you can't prosper in other areas of your life. Soul prosperity, that's where your mind is being renewed to the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ. He desires for your soul to prosper before your finances to prosper. So let me say this again. I don't tithe because tithing is part of the Old Testament law. I tithe because it's life to me in my family. Plus it's it's another principle that runs throughout the word of God and it it predates the law of Moses. It's interesting that things that predate the law. It predates the law of Moses by thousands of years. That's right. Tithing is a principle. It's not a law. A principle is something that is right to do in every situation. A law is based on cause and effect relationship. What if I pulled out a gun? I won't pick anybody because then you'll think something about it. out a gun and shot someone here in the congregation. And when, you know, they asked me, why did I do such a heinous thing? I told you, because I'm under grace. And thou shalt not murder is, under, is the law. What if I told Amanda that, uh, you know, we're in a grace covenant now and thou shalt not commit adultery? That's part of the law. What do you think she would think about that? I don't think it would go over too good. I think, I think she should fall back to thou shalt not murder under the law too. <laughs> murder is wrong. It's always been wrong. It will always be wrong. Regardless of the consequences Tithing, too, was before the law. In Genesis 28, 22, Jacob has an experience with God, and he, he says after this experience, The stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This was before the law. Who told Jacob to do this? Tithing is about putting God first. And in here in Genesis 28, Jacob made a vow to God. This was before the law. Jacob was not coerced into giving. He wasn't forced. There wasn't consequences for not giving. It was to honor God. And our tithes should be the same. Tithing is not like We give God 10% and we're free to do whatever we want with the other 90%. Everything we have is God's. Tithing helps us to remember that. that. It's, it's It's a faith statement that you're making. I know who my provider is. Everything I have is yours. Help me to be a good steward of all you give me. Tithing opens the door for God to bless you. I believe that with all my heart, and we've, we've read multiple scriptures on it. But tithing goes far, back farther than Jacob. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, Then Mechizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of the Most High God, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram, by the Most High God, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. You know, Hebrews tells us that this was an image, whether it truly was Jesus or it was just a shadow of of Christ. Because he was a king with no beginning and no end, it says. And he was the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. And he came out and blessed Abraham with bread and wine. That's very interesting, ain't it? And it says, then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Who told Abraham to do that? Abram, returning from war, gave a tenth of every, all of his spoils to the Mechizedek, the king of Salem. But you know something? This, this goes back even farther than that. Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother over giving the first fruits, the tithe. Do you know the very first murder was over the tithe, was over giving the first fruit of your produce? But I believe it goes back even further than that. It goes back to the opening pages of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And then the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Adam and Eve were given stewardship of the garden, given stewardship of the entire earth. God gave them every tree they could have eaten from freely, except for one except for one. God says this one is not for you. They were not to take the fruit for themselves and consume it. Being faithful stewards meant life to Adam and Eve in this case. By choosing to eat of the tree, fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were declaring that they were owners rather than Stewards. They were God. It's the same thing with us. God gives us stewardship responsibility over our lives. Though it all belongs to God, He richly gives us all things to enjoy. But He asks us not to touch the first fruits, the tithe. The first fruits are mine, says the Lord. Though the tithe, through the tithe, we show God that we understand that we are stewards and not owners. The curse. See, the tithe, just like murder, tithing was a principle before the law. And like murder, tithing became part of the law when God added the consequences to it for not tithing. Do you understand that? And like murder, tithing is a principle that exists after the law. The only difference is that Jesus has fulfilled the law and removed the consequences of not tithing. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. The consequences for not tithing has been removed. Praise the Lord, right? Thank God. But the principle of tithing, the spirit behind it, and the rewards of tithing remain the same. They remain the same. Proverbs three, nine through 10, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's a promise that we can receive still today through our giving. In Malachi 3.10, it says, Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse so there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not pour open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that it, until it overflows. That's a promise for us. The curse, the consequences have been removed, but the promise remain the same. Under the law, tithing cursed you with lack, but because of Jesus we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Today we tithe to allow God the opportunity to bless us with the benefits of obedience that is a faith that is motivated by love, and that's part one of tithing. See, I went long last week; I went short this week. I was thinking about you. It's Memorial Day weekend. Well, we got there's a lot of stuff that we got to think through, and don't take my word for it. As I lead, as I, as I pastor, I only can pastor what I am doing personally, what I believe personally, what I have found to be true in my own life, what I have, have, have faith for. But the responsibility is yours. Each one of you have a relationship with God. Each one of you have multiple Bibles. You need to spend time with God. And and ask the tough questions, are you my provider? Who's my provider? What do I trust in? What do I rely on? What do I believe about you? What do I I believe about my money? What's in my heart? And then test God. See, this is, and I I know you all have heard this before, but most of you. But this is the only place in the Bible that God says, test me. He says, test me. And it, testing God is not this idea that, I, that okay, next Sunday I'm going to give and test you and see if it works. It's believing in a principle that you, you change your heart and you make a decision in the inward man and you change your heart and you say, this is what I believe about God. This is what I believe about who is my provider. This is what I believe about my money. And I make a deliberate choice to start sowing into the kingdom of God. And I will reap a harvest. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a good, good Father. We thank you that you desire to richly bless us with all good things. We thank you that you're a God that provided your very best in Jesus Christ. And how will you not with him graciously, freely give us all things? Heavenly Father, this morning we ask that the Holy Spirit would bear witness with our spirits that we are children of God and heirs to the promise. Heavenly Father, we just speak over your congregation right now that they would see themselves as beloved, that they would see themselves of those that are vital to the kingdom of God, that they would see themselves as instruments to, to expand the kingdom in its reach, success, and its power. Heavenly Father, that you would just stir us up and that you would produce faith in our lives, that you want to do so much more. Through us, if we could just trust you. Lord, we just ask that you would prosper our souls this morning. Prosper our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Have an awesome Memorial Day holiday once again thank you for all those that served and uh, just be blessed in jesus name you've been listening to a message from Caris new testament church for more information or to contact us go to www.charisntc.org and remember you are deeply loved highly favored and destined to reign in christ jesus